growing up the way that I did, wanting to be perfect, my sister and I were overweight. We would be called Bertha Butt. I had those teachers tell me that I wasn't good enough. My medical records is the way that they described me. Depressed, fearful, frightened, angry, helpless, hopeless, depressed, worthless, detached. And now I'm speaking to like 800 of you. And I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm really not. Our experiences, good and bad, make us who we are. And a big one for me is my battle with mental illness and my stay in the mental hospital. It's my story. I'm not embarrassed. And it's the story that brings me to send you a long distance hug every single week. So welcome, my friend, to the podcast closet today, bringing you Consider Yourself Hugged episode 54, Emotions, Self-Care, and Empathy with Dr. Jenny Severson. I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. This is a, an exciting podcast this week, I think, because it follows um, the one last week with Jennifer Walden. Both Jenny, which I found out, no, Jen. Jennifer Walden goes by Jen, and Dr. Jenny Severson goes by Jenny. Anyway, they both have battled cancer, and they both have amazing stories that have come out of them. So Jenny and I, this Jenny, Dr. Jenny Severson, is one of my speaker sisters that you've heard me talk about before. I have interviewed Mary and Aaron and Donna, and now I'm going to bring you Jenny. So we are the the women who have written the book together, Thrive, targeting mainly female educators, but any woman could read it and benefit for sure. So we, we met during this teacher training, and we just connected, as I did with all of my speaker sisters. She has such great insight. And you will find out at the end of the session that we have decided to do a second session, which we will be recording soon. I'm not sure when that will release, but I'll definitely let you know. So like I always try to do, I want to read you uh, Dr. Jenny Severson on paper, and then you get the insight from Jenny, the heart and the spirit. So here's her information. Dr. Jenny Severson's mission is to add value, produce experiences that create gratitude and optimism, which you are going to hear every second of our time together. Jenny serves schools, corporations, churches, and speaks at conferences across the globe. Her focus on leveraging the inextricable interconnectedness of organizational and employee well-being to help transform workplaces and support people in integrating their personal and professional lives drives her passion, and you're going to hear that passion. Jenny has spent her career in education, speaking, presenting, coaching, and training others for high-capacity results. She is committed to improving the social and emotional skills, namely, and this is her deal, gratitude, optimism, and empathy, which leads to skyrocketing performance in workplace teams and collective efficacy. And I'm going to throw in personally. She's helping people on the personal level as well. She is sought after to help rehumanize classrooms, schools, and workplaces so that people are freed and fueled and inspired to bring their best selves to work and home every single day. That's Jenny on paper. Now, let me bring to you Dr. Jenny Severson, The Heart. So those listening have already heard your bio, and so they know the Jenny on paper, but they don't know Jenny, Jenny, you know, heart, Jenny and gratitude, Jenny and love and healing, Jenny. They don't know that Jenny at all. So 
that's why we're chatting today is to kind of hear all that part. And we, you're listening, you know that the, this podcast is not super structured. Um, so we don't have like one, two, three, but you told me when we talked that one of the things you wanted to talk about was emotions, mm -hmm. which is something that I, that I love. Do you mind Jenny, after you say hello, if I yeah. read a couple things from our book? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I haven't, thinking... I haven't even let you say hello. Oh yeah, no. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I just love, I know that you and I, even if we're the only people that listen to this, that's <laughs> what matters because I just wanted to talk to you about, we speak on a similar topic, which is the power of emotions. And so my background is really coming at that topic from Paul Ekman's research, which is we're wired up for fear, anger, disgust, mm -hmm. sadness, uh, joy, and surprise. And I literally stumbled upon this watching the movie Inside Out with my kids. Wow. Remember that movie Inside Out? Ew, yeah. The emojis. And I was I, like. I met them at Disney World. Just don't be jealous. But <laughs> have you done that yet? I met them. I have pictures. I'll post them in the show notes. So yeah, go ahead. What I love about that movie though is that I was watching it and because I'm such a, like I just love the brain and learning and what's going on in there. I know you do. Mm -hmm. And have so much kind of background in that. I was like, they're talking about the hippocampus. They're not saying it, but they're saying all these like brain, the prefrontal cortex and the memory is breaking off from the whatever. For those of you that haven't seen the movie, that is your homework assignment to watch yes. it with your kids. It's about this kid, Riley, that moves and just the breaking off of all those different friendship groups and things that she had and like being in San Francisco, eating a piece mm -hmm. of pizza that had broccoli on it. And then the disgust emoji is like, oh, that's gross. And anyway, I Googled, I went on and I Googled like, who put this movie together? And the movie consultant was Paul Ekman. What? I did not know that. Yes. And so as you get into digging into his stuff, he has not only written a bunch of books on emotions, he actually is trying to like look at people and tell if they're lying. Micro expressions is one of his books. But I was more concerned, obviously, about the whole child, the whole person, the whole emotional stuff. And he got... 149 scientists to agree that these six emotions are in every human being. And so here's, so here's where I'm getting at with that. Yeah. That was a huge aha moment for me because I was like, wait a minute, we expect people to be grateful and kind and optimistic <laughs> and have humility, but guess how we're wired. That's and I'd been saying it through this lens of like, the amygdala, fight or flight or flee or frozen or whatever you want to say way back from uh, primal leadership and Daniel Goleman's work, right? Yep. Where he's getting into, well, you know, your emotions have deliverables in your job and the way people can crack a joke in a tense situation. And just, I don't know, it's like so fascinating to me, like to think about how we interact with our spouse, with our kids, at, like I'm just thinking this morning the all the emojis that came up <laughs> in your morning routine in the morning routine and 
boy, if we don't work really diligent, if I, if I, me, 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 this, this is what, mm-hmm. that's what this is. If I don't really dial into that gratitude and optimism, I, um, man, I'm just, a, I'm just going to get run over. <laughs> you know, I wish a couple things I wanted to interject before I forget. First of all, I wish Jenny and I talked this morning. She, she texted me and said, we're not doing video, are we? So I promptly <laughs> took a picture of myself, <laughs> sent it to her. I was like, um, no, but we are on video so we can see each other. And I wish that you could see her because she's just like this ball of passion. Like as soon as you started talking about emotions, you just went like into this whole different dimension. Like I, I knew that that was something you talked about, but we've never had this conversation. So I, I'm like thrilled about that. The second thing, um, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this because, so you all know, cause I already told you, you know, if you're listening that we wrote this book together and we've been connected for a couple of years. Yeah. You know? And so we've written this book together and we're going to do this conference together, but you and I've never talked about the fact that those emotions that you talk about, I talk about Paul Ekman, it's in my dissertation, and I talk about being hardwired for those particular emotions. Like I talk about that extensively. And so I'm just like, wow, that we have not had this conversation before. So I, I just, there was something else too. Do you know what else I was going to say? I don't know. It was, oh, we were going to talk about maybe, well, and I think it came up because when I cited Ekman in the book, I know that was like, hey, wait a minute. Cause we, did I we talk about this? I don't think we just, I think it was like over a text like message. Yeah. Because I think at the conference, I don't know if you've ever come into one of my sessions. I don't, I think haven't, I've, I haven't come to one of your sessions either. I, think I know. haven't have. So you're, if you're listening, you're probably thinking, what are you talking about? So we've, I mentioned we've done this training together, but we do like, multiple sessions during the day and then you have a break time. So if our break times are the same break time, we wouldn't, we aren't able to come see each other speak. Um, which I'm right. We're, we're on at the same time. Yeah. I'm even more sad about that now. And then, and we, I know what else I was going to say that when you talk about disgust, um, have you heard of the not necessarily real thing called trypophobia? No. Okay. Don't Google it. You've heard me say this before. If you're listening, it's because if you Google it, um, don't look down at your computer, Jenny, I can tell you want to, but it's, <laughs> it's this condition I'm doing air quotes where someone, now when I talk about it, I talk about it in light of maybe being wired with maybe a higher level of, of reaction to disgust. Mm. And so it's people who have a deep aversion to seeing anything in clusters. And so for years I knew that when I would see things in clusters, like a seed pod or it just, mm, just really elicits this just well, a disgust response. I mean, but most people, so things like honeycombs, just anything clustery, but if you Google it, you will see things you can never unsee that are absolutely disgusting. Um, but I felt the same way you did about this whole being wired, you know, just genetically with these basic emotions. I would have loved to have seen that movie with you. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that movie with you. Gosh, it's probably four years old now already, or maybe even five. And I remember just like my kids were watching it and I was like jaw dropping, like cleaning up dishes in the kitchen as they were watching it going, oh my word, there's something way bigger going on in this movie than, you know, just just, like another Disney film or just another whatever, Paw Patrol. (laughs) Oh, Della, my daughter, my Disney 
loving daughter here, you say just another Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let her hear that part. Well, I also, I I just wanted to, because you've had a lot of things that have gone in your life that have made it really important for you to be able to understand your emotions better. Yeah. So the, so Mm -hmm. people who are listening to us, they want, they want tools and things that'll and inspiration and all of that to help them with mental and emotional well-being. Do you mind if I just kind of go through a few of the bullets? Oh yeah. Just, just as sort of a a rundown and, and Jenny can expand on it. But so I I love what she does in her chapter. So she has two chapters in the book. We all do. And and the first one is on self-care and gratitude as an educator, which still applies to all women. The book is, is, is targeted toward women, but this applies to anybody. So she goes through the facts and she has this bullet. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase, found a small lump on her breast in 2017, October. Um, then several things through there on December 26, she was diagnosed with breast cancer on January 12th, had the surgery to remove the mass, caught it early, nothing spread. February 1st, her dad died. February 21st, she found out, because remember earlier, she said it caught it early, nothing had spread, but the doctor wanted her to do chemo and radiation um, because of the type of cancer. Um, Started chemotherapy, lost her hair. You put in one of the bullets, bald, sick, and nearly dead. And anybody who's listening that's gone through chemo or anything like that. And then so more chemo, more illness, how to navigate life, finish radiation, and then move to Minnesota, where I think you basically didn't have a community of friends and support. So you had a lot in a short period of time. Were you already like studying this concept of emotions before all of this happened? Was it a result of this? How did you get this interest and where does all this relate to what you've been through? Yeah, so really it was all kind of happening at the same time, so, all of the, uh, what you, the sequence of events that you found. And I'm always careful to talk about any kind of cancer stuff because every single person has a different story and a different, you know, specialized thing that, that theirs is going through. My lump was removed and then sent for oncotype testing. And then if you have below a certain number, above a certain number, you know, they recommend, hey, if you go through this particular treatment, you're going to have less than 1% chance of recurrence compared to 40. So it was like, wow, wow, that's an emotional decision right there too, right? Like, and what was happening was we were in Ohio at this time, not connected to family and friends. When we, so when we got back here, this oh, is where, okay. Yeah. So when we got back here to Minnesota, dude, this is the homeland. These are okay. my people. So I got that backwards. You were in a place without a community. So, and I think that is why that whole situation was, had so much challenge around it because we had been there just for, we, we were only there for two years total. It was a, an assignment for my husband's job. Mm-hmm. So it was not a place that we were going to be planting deep roots. It was one of those kind of career decisions. Let's do it. And we had lived in Southern California for two years prior to kids and had kind of a, an assignment like this for him. Where was so, that? Where in, in Southern California? In Carlsbad, California. Okay. We had a similar, just to two years in Irvine, California. Yeah. Husband took a job, moved there, and then moved back. And I think what is really, I think what is really interesting about 
once I knew, once I knew, okay, I've got a chance, that gave optimism to obviously the whole process. And then when my husband brought up the opportunity of us getting back in May, I was like, oh, baby, you jump on that. Because, you know, and really what I need to really say wholeheartedly here too is when you're in a situation like this, for me anyway, I had always been very faithful, church going. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me tell you something. I am not casual about my faith anymore because when everybody around you falls away, um, when you're in a place where you just met someone and it's like, Hey, hi, my dad died. I have cancer. Let's be friends. Like, it's just like, dude, people can't absorb that. I can't absorb that. So what I did was I just shut down. I armored up as Brene Brown would say, I armored up and I was just like, I'm putting blinders on and I'm just going to walk through this. But my faith, is really what carried me through because the words of scripture, the attribute of how God will reign over all of this, the fact that I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life, like praising God for who he is and his never changing heart, his um, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, like all of that stuff is what really carried me through. In fact, I felt so carried and so connected um, spiritually during this time. Um, and then at some point you get back here and you're like, okay, I need God with skin. Like people need belonging, people need oh safety, God. people need support. Like, and so yeah. for sure, I'm not trying to minimize or diminish, you know, oh, just pray harder. Oh, just whatever, read the Bible. Like, dude, you need people that are going to show up for you. And it was actually at the conference that we talked to that an old colleague, I ran into an old colleague and I was, I had like this much hair. I don't know if you remember this. The fingers like an inch maybe, right? Yep. It was like, I was wearing a wig. I was bald, but then the hair was starting to come back a little tiny, tiny bit. And when you go, those of you, this whole wig business, holy moly. I mean, the things you learn about when you go through this, there's just like a whole hair industry I had no understanding of. (laughs) There is. I'm just getting all over the place here. But um, yeah, but somebody spoke into my life, you know, because I was in a lot of shame around, this isn't supposed to be happening. Like, this is not, this is not right, you know? How is it shame? Do you think what? Just because I don't think I had been taking good care of myself. I had not been doing the things that I needed to do with regards to my mental, emotional, physical. I was just in such a hustle mode with working and, okay, we've moved to this new place. Let me have people over for dinner. I was just in such a high anxiety place of trying to make friends instead of going, you know what, God? you have plans for the friends we're supposed to make here. You have plans for who my kids are supposed to be friends with. You have plans. The friendships we orchestrated there, I mean, the ones that I tried to orchestrate didn't work out. The ones that God did were amazing. We became really good friends with the Corver family. He played for the Cavs while we were there. Again, total God thing. My son and their son were in the same preschool class. She became a a huge catalyst in my recovery journey. Um, I had nothing to do with that. 
but you were trying to orchestrate everything and have control over your whole life. And, and what was that producing emotions like anxiety, fear, threat, stress, instead of just being humble and going, I don't know anybody. And what do we do next? And I mean, there was, do you think you was, so? Cause I think about, about people who they're in this tough situation, like being in a new place and not having friends or maybe being in a new job or just doing something that's different for them. And then they feel this need to just push things and move things. Do you think that your desire to do that was out of loneliness? Do you think it was out of just weirdness? Like, okay, well, I'm supposed to have friends. I should go get them. Do you think, what do you think pushed you so much to do that? Yeah, I think it's like, um, yeah, you move somewhere where there's no family, no immediate friendships. I mean, this was just, this was just like no man's land for us. Like we had no social connections. We didn't even have like, Hey, my aunt, whatever lives in, you know, (laughs) third cousin five times removed is. (laughs) Yeah. And I, so, I mean, and we had done this before. So when we left, people were like, Oh, you'll find a church. You'll find friends. You guys are so social. You're so connected. And so then when we didn't right away, it was like, what in the world is going on here? Like, this is just, so I think what actually, how this ties back to education is like, there's culture that we did not account for. Ohio, where we lived, there's Amish culture, there's Christian culture, there's like an opioid crisis in Cleveland, you know, like the whole state. I mean, so there was all these cultural things that were like, whoa, I was not, I just did not see this thing you know, coming. Um, but yeah, so you, you get into action, right? You're like, okay, well, you don't sit in your, I, I'm a big believer. Like you don't sit in your house and wait for your. <laughs> it's funny the things that you're saying, cause you can, I'm holding up the book so that Jenny can see it. Like I have literally two things that I underlined when you said lonely, afraid, and with no sense of belonging, I was shut down to those around me much of the time. You, you got into self-protection mode. And then a minute ago, you said, um, I underline when you said my faith and spiritual life are not a casual thing for me anymore. Life is a path. At times it's straight and smooth. At other times it turns and becomes uneven. Today I stay on the path of faith and well-being through my daily actions because I see the joy in the journey. And that that's come through a lot of self-reflection and prayer and turning things over and work and all of that. Right. Especially on the emotional side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I think uh, the obedience to, um, you know, and so the shame, the word shame is about, you know, being obedient to, to God's word, word and the spirit and the fruits of the spirit instead of it's not good enough. We need to do better. That's what shame is shame is it's not good enough or shame is who do you think you are? So there's kind of two. Wait, I'm not, I'm not following. Let's, let's, let's stay there for a minute. Shame, say it again. Shame, shame is. Shame is like doubles, double edged. Okay. And this is kind of the way Brene Brown describes it. So shame is this, like, it's not enough. It's not good enough. You're not whatever connected enough. I'm not good enough or what I'm doing is not good enough or what I'm saying is not good enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
But shame can also be when you're out there and you're doing your thing and you're speaking your truth, shame can also be, hey, wait, 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 who do you think you are? It can come out as someone kind of squashing that energy, like, what is that about really, you know? Um, you mean that you're saying to yourself, um, you're suddenly not good enough? Or are you saying that you take that on from something, someone something else? Like someone, yeah, yeah, like someone else's energy is like, wait, 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 no. You know, and you could put this in any type of context. Um, girls don't do this. Boys don't do this. You know, types mm-hmm. of like, no, 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 not around here kinds of of scenarios or hey wait you've always been this person so what's going on there's a change there's a shift um well where because so we talked a little bit about these hardwired basic emotions yeah but shame of course is more complex so it is it's it's like it's, it's why Ekman and emotions, it's such a very clear, like kind of black and white isolated variables that you can see facial expressions, you can see connections to it. But these things manifest themselves in so many other ways. Like, okay, so I'm feeling fearful about this move. I'll take actions in this direction to try to create safety, connection, belonging. And at the same time, um, I think it's about an identity, you know, mm. really finding your identity in your, in faith and that, you know, people will always fail us and um, putting your faith in other people or situations to work out. It's just a recipe for disaster, right? Cause then you're, you're counting on people to do things that they're not assigned to do either. Cause we are all humans. We are going to let each other down. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm not saying that like you're not in a negative, oh, this world is awful and people are awful. It's just the nature of nature of humanity that it's going to happen. And, and it happens worse when we set those expectations so high of what other people should be or do for us. Mm-hmm. All, you know, off of that. What's the word that, what's that word? You know, like a pedestal. Pedestal. <laughs> That's the word. Pedestal. They're going to fall. Yeah. So I think when I talk about, you know, breast cancer being one of the best things that ever happened to me, I did a lot of that. I take total ownership of that kind of stuff, putting people, places, situations on a pedestal, expecting things from people. And I was wrong. And I own that because then I just got tangled up in, you know, stuff that really wasn't any of my business. Um, yeah, it could be the most, and it could be the simplest thing of just feeling like there's not a reciprocal connection there. And I think like God orchestrates these connections that we're supposed to be making with people and we can't force it. We can't control it. We can't push it. Like we can just do the next right thing, put one foot in front of the other. That's why when I talk about in the chapter, kind of my daily rhythms now, mm-hmm. those were not present <laughs> before we moved during the move. And now that they are, 
my whole life is different. You know, the whole way, the whole, cause I, I, I think also like I thrive on structure. So yes, it just gives me like structure in my day to know that no matter what this is, if I do these things today, it's a great day. Well, and I'm going to speak for you here. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I've really respect about you since we've gotten to know each other is the fact that you are very purposeful and thoughtful before you make a decision about whether or not you are going to enter into whatever activity it is, whether it was the book that we talked about or the conference or these five women together, we send opportunities to each other. We have ideas we send to each other. And I am such a yeah, let's do, yeah, let's do, yeah. And what I love about you is that you pause and you really put thought into your decisions. Is that, was that part of your, your growth as well? Are you saying like pre-Jenny or pre-transformation Jenny was just taking on everything? And taking on everything, pretending that she's God, that she's running the show on some level. It is only by completely falling on my face into this move and the cancer journey that I had to go, what in the world are you doing? (laughs) Um, So it's only by completely kind of being a, I don't know what else to call it, a train wreck. (laughs) That's okay. Like a train wreck of emotions and overdoing it and saying yes to everything and then being irritable, restless, and discontent, Mm. being uh, resentful, having expectations. So I had a lot of stuff over the last 18 months that I'm just working to clean up around all that behavior. And so what you're seeing now is hopefully a little, but it's only because of, of being in the pit (laughs) and I didn't know you before. So let's, let's, you know, make sure you're with, I did not know Jenny Pryor when she talks about this Jenny, who is this other way. I didn't know you. Yeah. So it's, um, a shift from saying yes to everything and really a lot of people pleasing a lot of, you know, just not really having fair play, um, in, really all things, my marriage, my family, my work, overdoing it in all of these places, and then expecting not having clear boundaries, you know? You know, I talk, um, you've, well, you may know you haven't because you haven't heard me speak, but I talk a lot about my mom. Um, She passed away a few years ago, but she, she lived a life of extreme anger and bitterness, but she developed dementia past the last two years of her life and she forgot I mean there were other things that changed her as well the relationships and the way my sister and I interacted with her and she was in an assisted living where she became a rock star I mean there were so many good things that happened but one of the things that happened was she started to just slowly forget how angry she was particularly at my dad but even my sister and I in the world and so one of the messages that I have to people is you know don't wait for dementia to let go of that bitterness and anger. So my question to you then is, um, people, I'm, I'm assuming you're trying to tell people don't wait until you have cancer and death and moves and loneliness 
to change the way that you're that you're doing life and your faith and all that things. I'm assuming you're you're saying that, right? Don't wait. You don't have to wait for something terrible like it happened to you. So how do you what do you say to people? How can you guide them a little bit if they haven't fallen on their face or what can you do to help them? I think the biggest thing that we can do is to actually just pay attention to our bodies. And some of us are super like me, bookworm, intellectual, love reading, but my head is not always connected to my heart and my body. So I actually try to listen to my body when I'm feeling anxious or something doesn't set right or, huh, there's still this like, just, yeah, I think we need to listen to those things. What I was doing was by all, you know, standards, living, you know, a a, a decent life, my kids, blah, blah, blah. But I was, how it manifested for me was just overworking. Like I would say workaholic, uh, overeating. Cause then I'd be like, how do I calm down? So I used food that way, gaining and losing weight over the years. Um, and none of that stuff is good for your body and, and your brain. And I think of food now as medicine and nutrition. Um, it's a big game changer for me because, um, so the, yeah, I would just say, listen, and this is about one of my main phrases that I say to myself all the time now is this is not about speeding up. This is about slowing down. Cause when you, uh, when you're somebody like me that has traveled and spoken all over the globe, there's this sort of pace of life you know, and then you get the busy with the kid busy thing and going to soccer and basketball and, and you you get your identity in it. Yeah. And it's just like that, that's not, um, yeah, this is not about speeding up. It's about slowing down. And so kind of the traditions and the rituals and the, I don't want to call them that. I think the, the practices, the practices that I'm putting in are about principles, not personalities. So these are principles that are going to be with me forever. The way that I want, that's how I want to show up in my relationships. I'm still going to screw up and make mistakes, but I can at least circle back now. At least you're aware and you can recognize that's, don't you think that's really important too, is if at least recognizing doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you recognize you need to be slowing down or doing things different in your relationships, even if you're not perfect. Absolutely. And I've just done as much as I can do on my side of the street to clean stuff up from, you know, cause a lot of people are like, we didn't even know you were going through this. Well, you couldn't have, I didn't let you in, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's my why decision. That's why did my- you not let people in? Because I didn't want to, the worst thing is, people having self-pity over you, like, like just, yeah. Are you saying you didn't want to appear that you were in a place of self-pity? You didn't want to? Well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I got the diagnosis and I was, I told one person that this is what has been going on. And she did not know how to absorb the information as this was obviously bad information And so she did what a lot of people do. She told someone else 
and I didn't want other people to know. So then I'm like in Costco doing like grocery shopping and this other woman comes up to me with this horrified look on her face. And I was like, what's up? What's going on? And she was like, I heard about your situation. And I was like, that's it. (laughs) I'm going to shut this thing down right now. And because to me, that was worse than, it's just the worst feeling ever. Do you think you would still, well, first of all, what did you say to her? And when you say you shut it down, how did you shut it down? And you don't have to share anything that you don't want to share. No, I mean, I just, just in my mind, I was like, oh, I don't know these people well enough to have established boundaries that like, this isn't okay. I mean, I don't even think I was really thinking about, I don't know, like Mm. how all of that would play out. Um, I just knew I didn't want, I just knew that I wanted to lock in, uh, honest to God, positivity, resilience. Like I wanted to bring in the things that I knew would carry me through it. So Mm -hmm. when I would show up at the hospital, I would think, which is like basically you're, you're interacting with like the walking dead at the Cleveland clinic where I had all my treatments. I mean, it's very like, it's just a well, I don't even know how to explain it. Just all these people, like if you would have told me there's 25 floor building that's dedicated to cancer six months before this, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people getting cancer treatments just at this location, the Cleveland clinic, one of the best places on the planet. Right. Yes. We're just, I'm not even thinking of that. So the first thing I would do when I'd go into the hospital is I would say to the person that would put my IV in my arm, like, thank you so much. Like your job is so important. Like this is actually the scariest part for me is getting the needle in my arm. Mm -hmm. Once I had the first round of chemo, you know, kind of how sick you're going to get, you know, how you're going to be down for a couple days. But then for my particular situation, I was back on my feet. I was working. I was talking to teachers, wearing my stinking wig, like just going like, let me get off myself and try to provide for somebody else. Because when you're just so stuck on yourself and your own situation, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. So when I say I shut it down, I was like, I was saying, I just need to go through this differently. So what that means for me, and again, I'm very cautious about saying this because some people, like if we were in Minnesota too, it might've been different. Maybe I would have had a caring bridge site. Maybe I would have let people deliver meals. Like, but we didn't know anybody for a, for the length of time that I guess in my mind I needed to, to make a connection. Although the people that came into our life that, that really stood, stood with us through that made a big difference. Made a huge you know, difference. I am um, there. It's already aired, but I, or it will have by the time this one airs, but I did an interview with another teacher, former teacher friend of mine who went through ovarian cancer. Um, and again, it wasn't like your breast cancer is not the point of this episode, but it's a big part of, you know, what she went through and, and the same for her. The episode was not just about her cancer, but she's, she said so many similar things that you have as far as, um, 
I think she may have even said it almost the exact way that every person is going to go through that differently. Yeah. And that she didn't, she didn't want people to feel awkward or uncomfortable or, you know, any of those things. So it's, it's very interesting that I'll have to, when I go back and listen, I'm sure there'll be some comparisons. Um, let me, let me say this too, because I, I literally think this is going to be my next topic that I talk about after these two chapters is, and this is, I, I've heard this in Brene Brown's research as well, like the way, because this is, this is where we miss on empathy. We miss sympathy versus empathy. Um, sympathy means, oh, I feel so sorry for you rather than empathy oh my gosh, I get it. I, I feel it with you. And I've been there. When you are saying, I got cancer, my dad died. <laughs> we like people, people just don't have a frame of reference to deal with it. So one of the things you can do is just be with the person, give them a hug. You don't have to say anything. And I think Christians piss people off like crazy by giving them a scripture verse or something like, well, God has a plan and a purpose. You know, that's an empathy miss. Um, or like the gasp and awe, like, Oh, like people go into like, Oh my gosh. It's like, no, I don't, I don't need that kind of energy around me. This, this is why I went into close down, shut the doors. Um, or the, uh, like the block and tackle, like my friends that were like, fuck cancer, hashtag fuck cancer. Like, like, wow. That's helpful. Like, but you see this all the time, Tammy, like, you know what I mean? Like that's their way of handling it, but that's not, that's not, that's not helpful. <laughs> but, but what you're saying is huge for that. When you just said that empathy miss, yep. I mean, definitely putting that, that phrase in the show notes about our time together, because that can, I mean, I have a neighbor who has gone through, you would not even believe Cancer is actually, she, she is a cancer survivor, but that's actually a small part of what Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's the minor thing compared to what she's been through. And I think about the times when I've been with her and what you just said was so powerful because I couldn't, I couldn't really do a true empathy because there's no way I could feel what she was feeling. I had never been through the things that she had been through. And so what do you do with that when you have, when you have someone who's having, yeah, you, you say things like, again, this is all dependent on whether you know them or not and your relationship and that kind of stuff. But so you can say things like that sucks. You know, you can say things like, but you, what you don't want to do is go use this connection as a, like, that's nothing. I've been through this, this, and this, right? So like, people that's say another, that to you? no, no, no. I mean, but that's another empathy miss, you know, oh, like, okay. Right. It's like, well, you think that's bad. This so-and-so, I mean, this is how people I'm horrified are in conversation though. Right. Like, and, and again, we're talking about big things here, but this happens all the time when, Oh, you think, you think your daughter got cut from the basketball team? Well, guess what happened to us? It's, it's from the smallest micro thing to like the biggest thing. Like, well, I haven't really, like, these are all empathy misses. And the thing that this is this is actually my I, another idea is like we need to have there's an entire industry that makes sympathy cards we need to make e cards empathy cards empathy cards okay. wow 
Boom. Let me mind blown. Let, let me give you this example. Yeah. I was my nutritionist who I'm on a very specific food plan and I follow it to the letter. Um, I'm not, if, that, if my food plan gives me even 1% more chance of living, I will do, I will do it. And so I was standing with him and there was all of these shoes at his, or just at his doorway. And I was like, oh, did you have company over the weekend? And he's, cause we met, he has a home office. Okay. And he said, actually, my wife passed away and everyone was just here for the funeral. Now this is somebody I don't interact with a lot. I see him maybe once every six months. And I just looked at him and because I had done my work on just myself and also through Brene Brown's research. And I know about this, this empathy versus sympathy. You can Google it. There's a nice video on it. Just a short video. I just looked at him. I didn't say a word. And I said, can I give you a hug? And I hugged my nutritionist. And that was like the best thing ever instead of saying something, you know what I mean? And he was just, that's huge. It was huge. I I mean, but again, it's only by my, all of these failures and mistakes and empathy misses that I could gather myself in that moment to be like, okay, this guy doesn't need, you know what I mean? Just to be present, just to be present with people when they're going through stuff. And again, we don't want to be present with people when they're going through a shit show. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it is, but the thing that, that I'm really, I wasn't even expecting to glean this from our time together um, is just that we could spend some time learning about how to help our friends who are having, you know, situations that are evoking tremendous emotions and life changes and that there are ways that we can respond that can be helpful to them. And, and let me ask you this though. So if I have a friend that's going through something difficult and maybe I, I do use the approach of, you know, can I just hug you or gosh, that's, that's terrible or whatever it is. Then do do you think that we should then kind of just, I know you said it depends on, and it does, I'm sure it depends on how well you know the person and that kind of thing. But, do you pick up on like cues from that person as if they want more, you know, if they want to talk, then you allow that or what do you do from there? Yeah, I think it's all like situational, right? It's, um, I, we're here for you, but it's also like one of the best nuggets from my whole situation was a friend of ours from Minnesota when my dad died and I, I was texting a couple of them. She, she said, I'll be at the funeral to watch your kids. She didn't say, who's going to watch your kids? Oh, I'm so sorry. Like she took an action step because I wasn't even thinking about who's going to watch my kids all day while this funeral and, you know, all this stuff is going on. So I think the, the thing is, again, this is situational. Who is this person? How are they connected in your life? What I did with my nutritionist is I gave him a hug and I just, I sent him a card. You know, the littlest things sometimes, you guys, I, I mean, 
makes such a big difference. I still hold on to the cards that I got from people like they're pieces of gold, you know, anything that you can do to like the whole thing of like, well, we're here for you, dude, the person is like going through trauma, potentially trauma means a distressing event. So trauma is not just like my house burned down. Trauma can be all kinds of things. Right. Um, so it's about taking, I think, action. Again, circumstances, situations will provide more, will be revealed. But just be, be present with yourself and, you know, God will, will go, will give you a prompting. You know, I think I'm supposed to circle back with that person. I think I'm supposed to pray for them. I think I'm supposed to bring them a meal. I think I'm supposed to stay out of it. You know, God will show you. And you've got to be open to listen yeah. to that. Oh, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll read. I marked something else too in your book, but I guess I should try to, that's probably something I want to close with is just reading this other thing from, I say your book, our book, our book, <laughs> wonderful chapter in our book, but I'm trying to wrap my, my mind around all the things we talked about. So let me kind of spew it out because, and you're structured. So you might be able to do this better than me, but here's kind of in my head is I think, okay, what, what are the things that we did and, and what can people listen for and what can I put in writing that will help them? So this is, this is the way I go. The first thing is you reminded us or you told those who don't know that we're wired with emotions that aren't necessarily going to predispose us for gratitude and joy and those kinds of things. And we're all wired with them. Therefore, we need to focus and be intentional about having faith about listening to our bodies, about paying attention to relationships and, and cues with people. Um, we are all people and we're going to interact and you may have an emotional situation going on. And so may I, and I think about what you talked about with expectations about, you know, expecting other people the way they reciprocate with us that might not always pan out. And then also helping other people and responding to other people with empathy rather than sympathy, or at the very least trying to not take some of those approaches and have an empathy miss. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Is that? <clears throat> yeah. You said a lot. Oh my goodness. There's a lot here, right? It's like emotions. I think we're all hardwired for human connection. Ooh. And so people will bond over a variety of things that, are hopefully positive emotions, but also life is full of sorrow and hurt and challenges. And so I think it's just about like, how can we show up for each other? And, um, you know, the way that we show up for each other starts with ourselves, starts with taking care of ourselves, putting the oxygen mask on myself before assisting others. And you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I, we went, we walked through some things <laughs> that you just can't make up. <laughs> You're just like, you, you can't make this stuff up. Like, this is just, you will you know. write more? And, write and everybody has a story, you know, everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they're facing. They do. So I don't pretend that I'm unique or special in that. It's just, how do I want to show up from, from this point on kind of like a landmark moment, line in the sand, 
what can I glean from this? What can I learn from this? And when we got back here and the counselor was like, you know, you've been through trauma. I was like, no, seriously. That's mm. no people. There's people have way worse, gone through way worse stuff. And again, that's part of my denial and the part of unpacking of it's okay to feel your feelings. Mm. It's okay to not minimize what you're doing, what, what's important to you, what doesn't set well with, within you, Jenny Severson, you know? And so I think that's kind of where this talk comes full circle is get in touch with your emotions. Yes. You're hardwired for negativity because four out of those six emotions from Ekman are not positive. You know, and I, I might say this, Tammy, you can edit this out if you want, but probably won't. This, because here's the thing, this will not end well. Um, This story will not end well. Somebody drowns and your brain, because your brain has two parts, right? The reptilian brain, the the emotion brain, the amygdala, and it also has a prefrontal cortex, like the CEO of your brain. So imagine someone's drowning and your brain is saying, I'm drowning, but your front is saying, but I need air. But then you're saying, but if I open my mouth, my, my, the water's going to fill up and I'm going to die. Your, your survival instinct is going to win over this. So sorry, that's kind of a somber way to end this. (laughs) No, it's okay. I have something to read in a minute. That'll be much more uplifting, but now I can't breathe. (laughs) But, But I think we have to get in touch with the fact that our emotions and our survival instinct will win over our best intentioned thinking when we're in a really difficult situation. So I'm not going to beat myself up uh, anymore about making, um, when I make, you know, mistakes, I'm going to circle back and go, Oh, that's just a, that's just an automatic emotional response that I've had. That's a habit. I just need to change. Sorry for that's kind of a graphic, the drowning thing, but I think it paints a really clear picture of like your, your, your brain, this is how this is working. And so people open their mouths and die. It's, it's not, it's not a moral issue. It's just like how we're wired. I don't know. (laughs) No, I'm not editing it out by the way, because I think, I think anytime, I mean, you know, our brains make, you know, we remember things when there's something that's, that's that, you know, um, strong of an image that you just, so no, it's fine. We are not editing girl. Let's go stay in there. (laughs) But I, I, can we do another session sometime on trauma? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Let's get that scheduled. Well, I want to end by reading a short little paragraph that I think sort of paints the picture for you going forward. But were there any words of wisdom that you didn't get to say that you wanted to say? You said a lot. Don't feel (laughs) And I mean that in a good way. Like I, I, hope that, I hope it all makes sense and that the podcast is just the whole reason I'm talking is just to be of love and service. So take what you like and leave the rest and pass it on. And I hope it's useful. Yeah. Oh, girl, no, you are of love and service. And here's the paragraph that lets me know that you are. So this is in, again, in our chapter on self-care from Jenny. I can now say with certainty that getting cancer, fighting cancer, beating cancer has resulted in living my life differently. 
As strange as it might seem, my struggle with cancer is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Yes, I am grateful for breast cancer because it is teaching me so much about my life. And this is the part that I love about you. The life I have ahead of me is a gift each and every day. When you stare at your own death, you realize how fragile things are. And yet more importantly, how strong God is in the midst. And you let him guide everything you do. And I feel like I just cry at your story. So thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing. I just love you to pieces. Love you too. Thanks, Tammy. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. And as always, sadly, that's our time for today. I'm sorry to end on tears, but her story and desire to help, it just touched me and it changed me. And I hope you felt that too. So as always, please pass the show link along to a friend or two and subscribe, download, review, wherever you are listening. Head over to TammyWest.com to get information if you would like for me to speak at your next event. And also you will find the promise links and information for Jenny. So I'll have her website, her Brene Brown link, our book will be in there, the inside out pictures from Disney and everything else you need for Jenny. I would love for you to follow me on Facebook and all of those other crazy social media outlets. I'm trying to do better so the links are better about posting in those. So the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and growing our special community. I know that there are many of you out there who are sharing it and bringing people into our world to help just enhance our mental and emotional well-being. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray that each day you remember to love, to serve, to feel worthy, to grow, to connect, to change, and to be the best person you can be for yourself and for all those other humans in your world. And until we're together next time, consider yourself hugged.